You're listening to Mining Stock Daily. It's late Thursday afternoon. The closing bell has rung. Uh, but we got to get one last corporate update in for the week. Happy to f- welcome back in CEO of Western Copper and Gold, Mr. Paul Westsells. Uh, Paul, the company published the highly anticipated full feasibility study this week for the casino project. Uh, we'll go over a couple of the numbers here real quick, and then we're going to take a deep dive into a few of the highlights that uh, you you posed to investors uh, just a few days ago. $2.3 billion after-tax NPV with an after-tax IRR of 18.1%. In the base case uh, development, it contemplates a 27-year mine life. Uh, we're going to talk about the base case uh, and a number of the kind of the intricacies of this technical report. Uh, but for Cisco's your general scope of you know what this is presenting to investors, what this is presenting uh, to the market, but also what this is presenting to the likes of potential acquire, maybe a Rio Tinto. All right. Well, <clears throat> first of all, great to be back talking to Trevor. Always, always have a good conversation uh, when we sit down and talk. And uh, but yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty excited about this. It's. Uh, I mean, it's been a long time in the making. I mean, okay, we did a PEA, and it's a year since the PEA, but really the PEA that we did last year was sort of phase one of a two-phase process, and and that was to get to the feasibility study. And so the team that was working on the PEA, they didn't... They didn't even get a day off after we published that last year. It just rolled rolled on forward to the feasibility study. Um, So... You know, you look at the feasibility, and and there's a couple of key things. So first of all, we now have reserves, and that's important. Um, so we now have reserves on the project. So that's uh, 1.22 billion tons of 0.4 copper equivalent is the new reserve, and uh, that's important. I mean, back to your one of the points you were making. Uh, when when larger companies look at smaller companies like us, whether it's Rio's or others. They're interested in reserves. They're not interested in, in in the resources. They want to ensure that this project is is actually a project, and that the, the material in the ground is actually ore. Um, and you're not actually allowed to call it ore until you have reserves. Um, second of all, is that the heavy lifting on the engineering was the tailings facility. There's significant. I mean, and we've talked about this before on your show. The tailings facility. This is the tailings facility that came out of. Um, the work that we did with the First Nations and the regulator and the government, um, this now has that completely, that design that came out of that, that best available tailings technology process. It took us two years. That design has now been engineered to an, a feasibility study level, um, and the project looks great with it. So that's key. And, you know, the last thing that I, I would I would point out is there's there's some interesting changes from you know it's essentially the PEA moved forward into a feasibility study level of engineering but there's a couple of key changes one is the gold production so we're actually 20% more gold production out of the heap leach um, and that's primarily due to the fact that we're uh, crushing a little finer and, and we get uh, more gold recovery with that um, the mine life uh, is longer now, so 27 years as opposed to 25 years, uh, and and that along with some changes in grade leads to 4.4 more uh, production out of the mill as well. And uh, but you know the big thing, of course, is is that uh, this takes into to uh, consideration 
you know, Q1 prices. I mean, so diesel was up 30, for over 40%. Um, over what we did in the PEA. Steel, uh, in, you know, measured as grinding media, was up over 33%. That's all incorporated uh, into this study, um, and it still looks good, and it still looks very good. And, you know, I'll, I'll remind everyone, you know, this is a project, and, you, you know, the thing you didn't point out, I mean, those that IRR net present value, that's at 360 copper, $1,700 gold. Even with the pullback in the, this past week, we're still, you know, got gold and copper quite a bit higher than that. And, you know, if you look at what uh, this project looks like at today's spot prices, you're talking, you know, you probably add about a billion dollars onto that net present value and bring your IRR over 20%. I, I did want to ask you about the base case metal prices you used in the study. Uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago, other, you know, colleagues in a technical report, use seventeen hundred dollar gold, and uh, people thought it was a little aggressive. Actually, uh, you know, is this now that you've done this technical report and you've worked with a number of consultants, a number of people had their hands in this. Talk about kind of that decision making using these numbers, specifically that seventeen hundred dollar gold, and why you felt comfortable using that number when you had seen peers. Uh, kind of, for lack of a better term, take a shellacking for using the same number. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, keep in mind that, I mean, the copper number is probably more, well, it, by definition, is more more important than the gold. I mean, particularly okay. when we're talking recovered coppers, it's the more, more valuable part of it. Um, I mean, it's an interesting process, actually, where when coming up with those commodity prices, because it's... Uh, so we, we look at a number of sources. So one of the things that we look at is we look at uh, three-year historical averages. So if you look at three-year historical averages, the three-year historical average on gold, I think, is higher than, well, higher than 1700 I can't remember. I think it's 1750 or, or maybe $1,800. So that's one of the things that we look at. Um, we look at consensus metal prices. So what is a consensus metal price? Well, if you phone up... Uh, you know, a large, particularly the Canadian banks, but even the U.S. banks, they'll have, you know, what their analysts think are the long-term copper, gold, silver prices. And those are sort of uh, the consensus prices looks at a whole bunch of banks and just takes all those prices and averages them. Um, and and so that sort of is another thing we look at. And then, and then at the end of the day, you, you, you sort of balance it all out and, 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 and pick something. And the reality is, is I, you know, one of the things I always like to say is that the feasibility study, one of the outcomes of the feasibility study is essentially a, a model, a mine model, uh, or sorry, an economic model, a cash flow model. And so in our press release and, and, and in the technical report, we basically put in a, a table and it's like, you know, pick the commodity price that you're comfortable with and, and go with it. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, what we had in the press release and you know you want to use uh you know you want to use fifteen hundred dollar gold fine you know the project still is has essentially a two billion net present value a sixteen and a half percent irr so um and i don't think anyone's using anything that conservative um but you know that that's sort of the there's a bit of a give and take on that um you know we looked around at what other people were doing um there was a, a couple fairly significant studies that came out 
in the past month that used exactly those commodity prices. And so hmm. that's another thing that weighs in. Um, you know, in order for people to sort of compare apples to apples, why not use the same commodity book? Right. Uh, there's a couple other numbers that kind of pop in, uh, we should probably address here. So the cash flow over the first four years is $951 million using that base case, th- those base case metal prices. Um, the, the overall CapEx is about $3.6 billion. So you're kind of looking just under uh, four years to, to pay this thing off. Is that, that's probably about right, huh? Yeah, no, uh, that's, that's um, exactly right. I mean, the payback... Actually, the payback is just a little over three years um, because you, you have, you know, you're paying back some, if you look at the pre-tax cash flow, it's it's over um, over um, a billion dollars a year. And, you know, those first years, you still got some capital expenditures. So there's, there's uh, um, you're not going to be paying all that much tax on that. So, um, okay. and that's, you know, that's again, and that's the, and we've talked about that before. That's the core zone. That's that early high grade that comes out on the mine. Um, that leads to that very, very fat, fast payback on the project. Okay. Uh, the CapEx, $3.6 billion. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of people who have been in this industry would uh, be a little scared off with anything with a number that starts with a B. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, for these major, with these major massive projects and there's few of them anymore as you and i have talked about in length numerous times here paul multi-decade long projects you can't find them you can't it's hard i don't know if there's another one that could come up with anything less than a number that begins with a b in fact the same day that this was published seabridge announced their pfs and it was triple basically triple what this is and can you talk about like i mean i mean let's just be let's just be real these projects are getting more expensive everything else has gotten more expensive over 20 years why shouldn't mining projects become more expensive yeah no i mean exactly and and you bring up a good point i mean people oh you know three billion dollars and how are you guys ever going to build this and and i mean we've been talking for a number of years and you know, I would tell people like, look, this this is a big company project, and one day a big company will come by, <laughs> and knock on our door, and hopefully we'll be able to do something. And of course that happened with Rio Tinto, but anyhow, well, I'm sure we'll come back to that. The, um, but I think increasingly, I mean, the thing about copper deposits is that copper deposits tend to be there's less of them, and they tend to be larger, and and so. It's it's a bit of the nature of the geology, and and one of the things we did a couple of years ago is we actually benchmarked the capital cost. Um, well, a couple of years ago, a couple of months ago, on the PEA, and so on the PEA, the capital cost was three point two five billion, and so now it's up to three point six ten percent increase in the past year. I don't think that's going to surprise anybody, um, and we're actually sit right. So we looked at all of these copper projects and the capital cost uh, per ton of copper equivalent produced per year. So it's sort of benchmark with that. And we were sitting right in the middle. We're not particularly cheap. We're not particularly expensive. We're just an average price copper project for, you know, these large copper projects that are out there. Yeah. I, I do want to ask you Rio Tinto's involvement in this report. Do they have any hands, any 
any kind of dealings with getting this out there with any of the input factors? What can you share? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, this is our feasibility, so it's not us and Rio, but what Rio had a lot to do deal with is is the inputs. I mean, so okay. the the way that our arrangement with Rio works is that we work on a number of things together and, and we work on other things separate. One of those was this feasibility study and, you know, Rio has their own, I'm sure they have probably their own feasibility internal. Well, I know that they have something, some sort of study that they developed internally. What we have worked on jointly is everything that's gone into that. So that's metallurgy. That's the resource. That's uh, the tailings facility. Actually, is, is there's a lot of joint work that's gone into that as well. So all of that has been done sort of collaboratively. Just the, you know, the way that it's executed, the, you know, the, the mill, the heap leach, sizes, throughputs, all that. You know, we're, we're a public company, so we're, we're obviously letting everybody know about that. But Rio is, is uh, keeping that internal to themselves in terms of what that looks like. Okay. Uh, in regards to Rio, we actually did get uh, a, a question from one of our listeners that uh, uh, they asked me to ask you. Uh, and it, it sounds like there is some dialogue there regarding Rio about kind of that time frame leading up to November. Um, the question is, if the Met work is done, you know, what is, could something happen or could the market be noticed if something moved before then? Or do you think it will take five months to make some sort of decision whether Rio continues with the project or not? Um, I don't think it's going to take five months. Uh, I don't think that um, the network isn't done, but I don't think that the network, the network is 90% done. I mean, if, okay. you know, we don't have a report in our hands, but we know what it looks like. Uh, so there, there's, and, and again, there's no surprises there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, there's, I mean, obviously that end of November date is hanging in everyone's minds for obvious reasons, but I, I mean, really, that date is there for, us as Western and Rio as Rio to sort of try to get something done before that. It, it sets a little bit of an arbitrary date to push everyone along in terms of not letting this drag out. But if it drags out past that, I mean, there's a one ch- there's an opportunity to extend that for one year. Nobody wants to do that. We're not talking about that right now at all with, with Rio. We, you know, we're talking about the, well, we were dotting I's and crossing T's and saying, yeah, no, we, we should be able to get things wrapped up here relatively soon. So, um, but I mean, I'm happy that I've got that, that deadline in there because it forces a conversation, but you know, I mean, I could, I could, they could drop a term sheet in my inbox tomorrow and, uh, you know, the board comes together and says, yeah, it looks good. And there's a press release in three days. Very unlikely. <laughs> well, that would be the Fourth of July. You don't want to do that, <laughs> exactly. But you know, we uh, would like the fire. The fireworks would be nice, but the fireworks would be nice. But and and, and yeah, let, let me caution <laughs> that I sincerely, or I, I would be incredibly surprised if that's how it goes. It's more of a back right. and forth, but that's right. um, yeah, I mean, but the, but it, you know, those things could start at any time. Uh, you published this report. During, well, let me let's take a step back. This feasibility study you published for one of the largest copper, gold, silver, molybdenum projects in the world in a time 
where the market is just really in a tough spot. Uh, it's you know it, it's tough out there. I, I talk about share with me if you can open up a little bit about the process going through this, not only getting this technical report out, but watching this incredible volatility, not only in the equity itself, but the metals prices. And, you know, I would assume you had to be on your toes, engaged 100% each and every day leading up to the publication. Can you you just kind of talk about and share kind of what that experience was like? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, every, everyone's pr- pretty unhappy with, with where the markets are. And, and uh, so just a couple things on the timing. I mean, first of all, I, you know, I have some ability to influence the timing, but not as much as you might think. Because, you know, once once we get to the point where I'm starting to see, you know, net present values and IRRs come across my plate, it gets. I'm. I'm now have material information in 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 my, and and so you know I have material information. I need to release that to the market. So, I mean, a month ago could I have said go slow? Sure, but a month ago the markets <laughs> looked okay. <laughs> so, so I guess that that that's sort of point number one. Um, you know, point number two. I mean, if if we're just going to stop talk broad markets here, um, it, well. You know, we, I mean, we released it Tuesday, and I mean, if I knew that Tuesday was going to go on until, if this was going to be a week rather than just Monday, and actually, when we released it Tuesday morning, this was uh, before, I think it was the Consumer Confidence Report came out, we were actually up a couple pennies, and and just, you know, so your listeners know, I mean, we do have two analysts, and actually both, one analyst maintained, uh, both of them loved the feasibility, and one of them maintained their price target, and the other one uh, actually increased their price target on the back of the feasibility study. So um, it's not just me that, that likes what this looks like. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the market is what it is. Um, I mean, and this is back to the copper story. And the copper story is, uh, in, I mean, our need to electrify moving forward is not going to go away. And, and so, I mean, there's some fundamentals on that. Um, uh, it, it will, we'll see what the sort of next few weeks and months bring, but I think by the time we're through the end of the summer, I'm expecting that we're going to start to see a bit of a stronger copper price because as someone was pointing out to me, it was like, okay, we don't go into a recession. Copper does well. We do go into a recession and governments need to do stimulus to sort of get us out, well, what are they going to do? Well, we might as well be battling greenhouse gases and electrifying when copper goes up. So both of those scenarios result in, in a better copper price. And so I think that, um, you know, that bodes well for, for copper juniors like ours. Uh, you got a long weekend, well-deserved long weekend ahead of you, Paul. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to discuss this. Uh, you and I will be talking again probably sometime next month. So uh, we'll keep all the listeners posted with the latest news from Western Copper and Gold. And uh, I look forward to the next time you and I connect, as always. Perfect. Always a pleasure talking to you, Trevor. It's Paul Westells from Western Copper and Gold. Again, trading on the TSX and the NYSE with the symbol WRN. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. 
Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.